0: I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible, the world's leading provider of expertly performed audiobooks. Audible has over 180,000 titles that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. If you like reading fiction, Audible has a book for you. If you like reading science, Audible has a book for you, too. If you like reading poetry, politics, or anything at all, Audible has a book for you. If you sign up at audibletrial.com slash wordsforgranted, you'll get one month free, and not only that, but you'll also be supporting the show. Everybody wins. You can find a link to the trial right in the show notes for today's episode, and I hope you sign up today. On the surface... The premise for today's episode is pretty straightforward. We'll be looking at the evolution of the modern English word cologne, which, by definition, is a type of perfumed liquid composed of alcohol and fragrant oils. At the most basic level, the etymology of cologne is not all that interesting. We can boil it down to a couple of sentences. In 1709, Giovanni Maria Farina, an Italian-born chemist living in Cologne, Germany, synthesized a new perfume that quickly became a commercial hit. In recognition of his new home, Farina called his product Eau de Cologne, which in French literally means water from Cologne. And that's basically it. But of course, we can dig deeper. If Cologne is a German city, why did Farina name his perfume in French? Where does the actual name of the city Cologne come from, and what did this name mean to its original inhabitants? Why does the German language spell the city with a K, while the English language spells it with a C? If we ask ourselves these kinds of questions, we can turn what looks like a straightforward etymological investigation into an elaborate lesson in both history and linguistics. But first things first. Let's start with a closer look at the story behind Farina and his famous fragrance. As his birth name indicates, Giovanni Maria Farina was not German. He was Italian and his life as an immigrant impacted the naming of Eau de Cologne. At the time of his immigration, The city of Cologne had strict laws regarding the settlement of foreigners, so Farina's attainment of citizenship in 1709 was a pretty big deal. He created his perfume within a year of his immigration and, as an expression of his gratitude toward his new home, he chose to use the name of his city instead of the name of his family in the branding of his new product. Indeed, Eau de Cologne is internationally renowned as a German commodity, not an Italian commodity. But this raises a curious point. If the Italian-born Farina wanted to give his product a German identity, why did he name it in French? Furthermore, why does the world remember Farina himself as Johann Marie Farina, a French version of his name? Well, all we have to do is take a look at Farina's target consumers. Eau de Cologne became a staple among European royal families during the 17th and 18th centuries, and the most commonly used language among these families was French. French was also the language spoken by European traders, so a French name for his perfume was an obvious choice. Farina's linguistic marketing strategy was a well-played move. It simultaneously appealed to the language of his consumers while bringing esteem to the city in which it was made. But what made Eau de Cologne so great? Simple. Its fragrance was much lighter than most perfumes made at the time, and Farina's formula produced consistent results from batch to batch. The key ingredient was citrus oils. In a letter to his brother concerning the initial synthesis of his perfume, Farina himself wrote, quote, I have found a fragrance that reminds me of an Italian spring morning of mountain daffodils and orange blossoms after the rain, End quote. People loved this stuff so much that it was nicknamed aqua mirabilis, which literally means miracle water in Latin. Today, cologne is used as a generic term for any men's perfume, but initially, cologne, or more accurately, de Cologne, was a brand name of sorts, and it was marketed not only toward men, but toward women as well. In fact, in the city of Cologne itself, the stereotype of real Cologne is that it's what old ladies smell like. Now, I can't academically cite that for you, but based on a recent trip to the city, that's the unanimous verdict among my German friends. So, What's the difference between real cologne and the kind of perfumes that we generically label as cologne? Well, real Eau de Cologne is made in Cologne. Today, due to its geographical location and a formula that's more than 200 years old, the brand 4711 lays claim to the original Eau de Cologne. The generic term cologne that evolved years later is a testament to Eau de Cologne's initial popularity. The absorption of successful brand names into everyday language is a common linguistic phenomenon, and the sign of a successful business at that. For instance, Band-Aid and Jell-O both started off as, and for that matter still are, brand names, but today, Band-Aid and Jell-O are legitimate common nouns that can be used to indicate any bandage or gelatin, respectively. If you're wondering why cologne became a generic term for men's perfume even though the real Eau de Cologne is a unisex product, it's probably because lightly scented perfumes resembling Eau de Cologne were successful with male consumers. By the late 19th century, due to a lack of copywriting, many cheap imitations of the real Eau de Cologne became available, thus disseminating both the perfume's scent and its name to the masses. Okay, enough about the linguistic origins of cologne the perfume. What about cologne the city? For this, we need to go much further back in time. Cologne derives from the Latin word colonia, which meant settlement or farm. As you may have guessed, colonia is also the origin of the modern English word colony. The word colony has its own implications associated with colonialism from the 16th century onwards, So. Colony is, in some respects, an anachronistic translation of colonia. However, I'm going to stick with it in our discussion because it simply gets the point across. The word colonia itself is derived from colonus, a Latin noun meaning farmer, and colonus ultimately derives from colere, a Latin verb meaning to farm or to cultivate. The modern English words cultivate, culture, and, for that matter, cult, all derive from colere, and that means that they are cognate with cologne, both the city and the perfume. If that connection just piqued your interest, then I have good news for you. I'll be exploring the connection among these words in the next episode, so keep your eye out for it. Anyway, the etymology here nearly speaks for itself. The city of Cologne was once a foreign settlement, or colony, by Latin-speaking people, a.k.a. Ancient Romans. The history surrounding the Roman colonization of Cologne is a complicated story of politics and warfare, so I'm going to sidestep the exposition and give you a reader's digest version of the story. There's always Mike Duncan's wonderful History of Rome podcast for those of you who want the nitty gritty. In 39 BCE, General Marcus Vispanius Agrippa founded a settlement for Roman war veterans on the left bank of the Rhine River. It was called Opidum Ubiorum, Latin for Fortified Settlement of the Ubi. The Ubi were a Germanic tribe who, about 20 years earlier, had formed a military alliance with Julius Caesar. Because of their positive relationship with Rome, they actually embraced and apparently encouraged their colonization. Eleven years later, Agrippina the Younger, Granddaughter of Marcus Vespanius Agrippa and wife of Roman Emperor Claudius requested that Opidum Ubiorum, the place of her birth, be elevated to the status of a proper foreign city under Roman law. In other words, a colonia. Opidum Ubiorum was renamed Colonia Claudia Ara Agrippinensis, literally, the Colony of Claudius and Altar of Agrippina. Try saying that three times fast. Years later, This was shortened to Colonia Agrippina, and eventually to just Colonia. French basically inherited this place name verbatim as Colonia, and that was then borrowed into English as Cologne. But, of course, modern Cologne is a German city. So, what is it called in German? The German word for Cologne is Kuhn. Hopefully, I'm doing justice to the pronunciation. As I suggested at the beginning of this episode, The English spelling of Cologne uses a C as its first letter, but the German spelling of Kuhn uses a K. What's the deal with this spelling discrepancy? Well, as anyone familiar with the German alphabet knows, the role of the letter C is more like that of a supporting actor than that of a main player. In native German words, the letter C most commonly appears in letter combinations, such as S-C-H, TCH, CH, CK, and CHS. With the exception of foreign word borrowings, the German letter C does not have the hard or soft sounds associated with the letter in English. In German, the hard C sound k, is left entirely to the letter K, and the soft C sound s, is left entirely to the letter S. This may get some of you wondering where the English letter C's dual personality comes from, but that, unfortunately, is too large a topic to unpack as a mere footnote to this episode. It deserves an entire episode unto itself, so for the next bonus episode, I will be examining the evolution of the letter C. All right, that's it for this one, guys. I'd like to dedicate today's episode to Marcus. I visited Cologne this October, and thanks to Marcus, I had the best time. Don't forget to follow Words for Granted on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I've begun doing short etymology of the day posts, so you can follow me, you can find them, and I hope you enjoy them. If you know someone who might enjoy the podcast, please tell them about it. If you yourself enjoy the show, please leave a positive review on iTunes because that's how new random people on the internet find out about the show. If you have any questions, comments, or criticisms, you can email me directly at wordsforgranted@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Last but not least, I'd like to remind you that you can make a direct donation to the show via Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding service that allows independent creators to get their work out into the world you can go to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. Every little bit counts. Once we hit the first, once we hit the $100 mark, I'll be posting bonus episodes only available to contributors. Okay, I'll see you next time here at Words for Granted.